Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be in worship with you today, as always, and hello to all of you with us online from many different locations you're tuning in. I don't know where you are, but there's always a bunch of you, and it's so good to be with you as well. Uh, I apologize for my voice in advance in this sermon. I greet you having been in Chicago all week, and all the fog in the air I have brought back home with me in my head. So uh, we'll, we'll manage and we'll get through. But it was, a, it was a wonderful conference with our denomination all week uh, in Chicago. I, I love this church and I love you. And I don't know how long God will give me the privilege of serving at Redeemer. But should he ever call me to a church in Chicago, I believe that I will beg him to change his mind. There are too many people Traffic is horrible. There's six billion people, to be exact, in Chicago. It's really crazy. It's crazy and it's awful. But one thing that I'm very excited about that took place this week, and I want to I want to take a moment and honor my friend and my colleague. But a really big deal happened in her life and in our church this week. Leanne Benton, our worship pastor, interviewed and finalized her ordination in word and sacrament in the Evangelical Covenant Church. And I'm just so, are you over there? I'm just so proud of you, Leanne. I wanted to take a moment and say, great job. Um, It is a rigorous three-year process to be ordained in our denomination, and you have handled it with great patience and determination. Well done, friend. So, I want to. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Okay, today's sermon. Let's let's uh, let's move forward with the sermon on why not to visit Chicago. I'm kidding. We're in the Beatitudes, uh, so you can flip to Matthew chapter five if you would like to, uh, and a couple of reminders from recent sermons. In this series, I, I just I want these on the screen, and I'm going to read these slowly for you to just kind of bring us back into the, the the mindset of these beatitudes. They come from makarios, which is a word that means happy and supremely blessed, even fortunate, and to be envied. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus's teaching: is you you would read this and go, wait a minute, how blessed are those who mourn? How is that possible? Those who are mourning are blessed. They're blessed because they're invited into the presence of God for comfort. They can be envied. Even in their mourning, they can be envied. They're fortunate to have a loving God that invites them into his presence for comfort. The Beatitudes, we don't want to look at them as just a list of instructions, like this is exactly how you're supposed to live, and if you do this, God will do that. That's not how we want to look at it. Yes, they are instructions on holy living, but also directions to where God and be found. And then living the way of the kingdom is admitting that God's way is a better way than our own way. 
And you know, that kind of tackles our pride a little bit, doesn't it? My way or the highway, right, we say? But no, we're saying God's way, the kingdom way, the kingdom way of living this life is better than my own way. These are pronouncements of blessing, yes, but they're also great reversals of everything that the world teaches us to be true. So far we've covered blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Today and next weekend I'll cover a fourth and then a fifth beatitude, and then the last week of this series, I have a guest preacher coming uh, to wrap up the beatitudes for us. I can't wait for you to hear him. I love him. He's so wise, and look forward to having him here. Today, let's concentrate on Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We're going to cover both parts of this statement. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean to see God? The word here for pure, the pure of heart, it means clean, to have a clean heart. In 2009, Andrea and I were waiting for the arrival of our first biological daughter, Ellie, And Andrea gave me an assignment, a very important assignment, and this assignment had a deadline. I said that last service, and right over here I saw a husband and wife make eye contact, and they just started having the greatest conversation during church. So I I know some of you can relate to this. You are given an assignment, and with the assignment, there is a deadline. I had to paint Ellie's room pink before she arrived, not after, before. So I did the Lowe's run, and I go and I buy the, 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 the paintbrushes and the paint and the rollers. And y'all know, even if you have rollers at the house, you still buy more rollers. It's like, can we have enough rollers? You know what I'm saying? So I buy these rollers, and then I'll admit something to you, and it's, a, it, it's quite embarrassing, and my wife will nod her head in agreement. But sometimes when I'm given an assignment at the house, I will, I will put my materials out on the table. And I'm doing that to say to my wife, I have heard you, I have accepted this assignment, and I'm in progress. I'm not painting today, but you can see all the supplies on the table. We, can't, we don't have anywhere to sit and eat now, but you can see by my supplies that I have heard the assignment and I, I'm planning on it. Okay, so my assignment got delayed because I knocked a gallon of pink paint on the floor. Okay. It went everywhere. It exploded. And first, I I thought about the wood floors, so I got those cleaned up first, kind of. And then I took the rug under the table which was completely ruined by this pink paint. And I took it and I draped it over the fence outside and I stood there for like a week (laughs) and just hosed this rug off. It was also very windy. And so uh, all the dust and all the grass around was blowing and sticking to this wet rug. 
And so I went outside, and I'm thinking, I'm, the paint's almost out of it, I think, so now I need to get the dust and the grass off of this rug. So I've told you so far about um, the accident of spilling the paint. Now I'm going to tell you and reveal to you just how very stupid I am. So I grab the rug, and I hold it up over my head. We had a friend named Mark who was in a little bit of a transition period in life. He was living with us for a couple months. And, and I'm like, Mark, grab that broomstick and hit this rug. <laughs> Mark played college baseball. And he wound up that broomstick, and I'm holding the rug, and he hit it. And all the dust fell down. And Adam fell down, and it was brutal. I'll never forget getting hit right in the chest by a former college baseball player with a broomstick. I never got the rug fully clean. You will never get your heart fully clean. You can't. You're not made to. We don't have the ability, God has not given us the ability to clean our own hearts. And if you think you can, you are going to end up disappointed, you're going to end up frustrated, and you're going to end up exhausted. You just can't clean your own heart. A clean heart is not the result of our own efforts. A clean heart is not the result of behavior modification or being or becoming a good person. A clean heart is not the result of spiritual disciplines and habits. God, I've, I've been to Sunday school for nine straight years, perfect attendance. God, I'm in a small group. I'm doing life with people. I'm walking in community. God, I read my Bible every morning. And then I read my Jesus Calling devotion every morning, and I memorize a verse every month. God, God, look at me. Look at my heart, Lord. Look at what I'm doing. God, I tithe every month. God, I fasted once in 2009. It was a lunch, and I tried it. God, look at me. Look at, my, look at what I've done. Am I clean before you? No. All those things are really good things. Those are good disciplines. Do them. That's not what gives us a clean heart. A clean heart is the result, first and foremost, of Christ's redeeming work on the cross. It is Jesus that cleans our heart at the moment of our salvation, saying yes to following Jesus, is agreeing to having a heart transplant. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I was once in a very remote village in Africa. And, and we were doing ministry there, and one of the, the pastors in this village tells me that somebody in the village gave their life to Christ. 
So they start making a fire. I'm like, what are we doing? You know, they all, they, they build a fire, they're gathering around it, and here comes the person that has just recently converted to Christ, and he's in a white robe, and he's preparing for his baptism that day. You know what the fire was for? They practice in this village gathering the clothes of the person who converted to follow Christ, and they put them in the fire. They just burn them. It's symbolic to them to say, I'm a new person in Christ. I'm literally, physically taking off the old person and putting it in the fire. Ashes. It's this powerful display of the new creation. A clean heart is the result of that gift of salvation. It's a heart transplant. New, clean, a heart that loves Jesus Christ, a heart that is filled with Jesus Christ, a heart. But what about after salvation? Because do we keep on sinning once we have the new heart? Absolutely. Maybe it's just me, guys. Maybe it's just me. But absolutely, we we get this new heart, this gift of salvation, but we still dabble in sin. We still have this daily flesh and spirit at war with one another. And does that mean that you're not saved because you were saved and now you, now you sent? No, it absolutely doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means that we're still getting used to our new heart. We're getting used to what God has given us. The new crucified person still has a tendency to think and behave and speak like the old person. So what do we do about that? Proverbs 4.23 tells us this. Above all else, guard your heart. Say that with me. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I I studied Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I looked this up. You know what that word there means, guard? It means guard. (laughs) Actually, watch it. Protect it. Take care of it. It's the same language that God uses with Adam in the garden. Here's the garden, Adam. You're going to work in the garden, but you're also going to keep it. You're going to protect it. You're going to guard it. We, we own chickens at our house. Their names are Honey, Sweetie, Pumpkin, and Darlin. We can't tell them apart, so they just go by whatever we want to call them at the present moment. And... I'm really proud to say that my 11-year-old still fetches eggs in the morning and makes herself breakfast. It's pretty cool to me. So with recent frigid temperatures, uh, I've been thinking a lot about my girls, my chickens. I've been really focused on taking good care of them. I mean, somebody asked me, what are you doing today? I'm, I'm taking care of my chickens. I'm wrapping the coop with tarps that are clear because they need sunlight. My girls need sunlight. And I'm, every Amazon box that comes, I'm like, is this big enough to you know, flatten the box and nail it on the coop? And I'm trying to block the wind and block the rain and keep them dry because chickens can be dry and not wet or wet and not, wait, wait. They can be cold and not wet or they can be wet and not cold. They can't be both. My girls can't be both. So I'm taking good care of them. I'm I'm taking water out every two hours in these freezing temperatures because their water bowl freezes. And I want my girls to have, you know, good, anyway. I'm thinking this week about guarding my heart and I realize 
how very hard I've been working to guard my chickens. Think about all the things in your life that you guard, that you protect. So maybe just lift your hand and show me. Raise your hand if you lock your doors at night. Wow. Wow. We got something to guard, don't we? We got something to protect. Uh, Raise your hand if you have ever had your social security number on a document and you shredded it before you threw it away. Go ahead. Okay, raise your hand if you protect your passwords. Okay, so if, if I asked you today, hey, you bank at Arvest? That's great. Could I have your password? You just wouldn't hand it to me? Why? You're guarding these things. Raise your hand if you wear a seatbelt. Okay, if your hand's not up, I mean, these are things we keep a close eye on our little ones in public, right? We don't, we don't go out in public and just, hey, have fun, check in. We guard these things that are important to us. And I'm wondering this week, how are we doing with our hearts? All these things in life require an attentive eye, protection, sure. How, how are you stewarding your heart? Are you guarding your heart? A pure heart and a clean heart is a heart that has been guarded, delicately watched after, protected. And what are we guarding our hearts from? The love of this world, because it is sure easy to fall in love with it. Remember, the Beatitudes are all about living a different way, reversals, right? God changing the way we see life, reminding us that it's different in his kingdom, that we belong to a world that is not our home, a world that is daily waging war for your affection, your attention, your devotion, your allegiance, and you know what else? Your love. The world wants you to love it. We know that our enemy has this great agenda to steal and kill and destroy. It's quite a resume, right? John 10.10. And those sound quite violent. Like, he's, he, he, he absolutely wants to steal and kill and destroy. But his strategy often starts with something much more subtle than that. Our hearts are vulnerable when we get distracted. When our eyes shift off of the kingdom of God, and on to our little castles, our hearts get distracted, and that's when we get in trouble. That's when we're vulnerable, when we're unfocused, when we're sidetracked, when we forget that this is not our home. That's why we're warned in 1 John 2, do not love the world. Do not love it. It it says it's going to love you back. It has all these extreme promises to make you happy. And we know that we know that we know that that's false. That we were created by a loving God to be loved by God and to love God in return. Not to love this world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is seen, excuse me, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, And the pride of life 
is not from the Father, but from the world. My son has played football many years now, and his coaches, Chad and Bubba, Chad's here somewhere, I saw him. Hey, brother. Chad and Bubba would always yell this advice during the game to remind the boys of what's important. They would yell, stay home. Stay home. Because these boys, they have this impulse, right? They just want to jump to the ball. They want to go wherever the ball is, but they're in zone defense. They've got an area to cover, and they need to stay there. Don't get outside of that area. This is home. Stay home. I thought about these coaches and their advice this week as I was looking at this text over and over again thinking about it. The Bible, the Bible's full of advice for us to stay home. I mean, you read it. That's what it's saying. Stay home. Stay in the kingdom of God. I know you want to go over here, and I know you want to go over there, and I know you want to do that and do that. and go. Man. It can be hard. And that's what starts polluting our hearts. When we don't stay home, when we're we're so far outside of what God wants for us, brothers and sisters, we're a part of a kingdom. This is not it. Stay home. And as a result, the pure in heart, promises right here, will see God. The pure in heart will see God. Now, as Job did, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, and we will see God as Moses did. By faith, he left Egypt. He persevered because he saw him. He saw him who is invisible. He saw him. Hebrews eleven twenty seven, And the pure in heart will see God in fullness after Christ returns. I mean, I'm going to pause there and just... Somebody remind me that you're in the room today. I just said the pure in heart are going to see God in fullness when Christ returns. Do you want to see God? This is good news. This is exciting news for us today. Revelation 22.4. His servants will worship him and they will see his face. 1 John 3.2. Dear friends, Now we're children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know is that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You're going to see him, guys. This is really awesome stuff. I'm going to tell all of you. You're going to see him. Hello. You're going to see God. You're going to see God. Friends, you're going to see him. This is awesome stuff. I mean... What an extraordinary gift and promise that God has given us. And as we wait, because that's what we're doing, the already and the not yet kingdom, right? As we wait here, purity of heart, I believe it brings with it the power to see God more clearly in this life while we're waiting. We see him in the beauty of surrounding nature, his hidden mysteries, his written word, the teaching of Jesus Christ and Scripture. So, James warns us. He says, keep yourself unpolluted from the world. Don't let the world corrupt your heart. Keep yourself unpolluted. I'm going to leave you with this challenge. Also, keep yourself from being distracted. Keep yourself 
from being distracted. As you seek Jesus, remember that he has prepared a place for us in his kingdom. And this isn't it. As we remain undistracted by the things of this world, we maintain that clean heart. And as a result, we will see God. Amen? I'm excited to see him with you. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.